Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. While stirring the pot is one thing, our current times feel like an electric mixer turned on high. There is so much inconsistency, misinformation, division, and suspicion that an enemies seem to be everywhere. Targeting the cause of the strike is at an all-time high against people, places, and plenty of things. And yet our scripture texts, all of them, go in a different direction than asking who stirred up the pot to this mess. As Lutherans, we confess and summarize what's beneath the surface of life to say what God sees. And so we confess the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Rather than stirring up the pot, this is what is in the pot of life. And it's what Israel, in our Old Testament reading, had to prepare to face idolatrous people, or we'd say the world, as it entered the land of promise. The armor of God described by St. Paul was to stand against the devil's schemes. And that's far beyond worries of your flesh and blood. Jesus takes everyone to task, showing the evil out there is also deep within our heart. An enemy is dangerous, but the enemy within, as you know, is far more deadly. After exposing the religious authorities' deception last week about washing rituals on hands and stuff, Jesus turned with compassion to call the crowd, and no one else other than God himself could say what he did. Hear me, all of you, and understand. Think about it. There is nothing outside of him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. For all the enemies out there, Christ alone continues to renew our hearts and uphold us each day. And so instead of pep talks and of pointing, it might be best to take more seriously the depth of our vices. Now, vice is a word mostly known today by that hyphen we use in the word. So we think about vice president or that tool we call a vice grip. Okay? But vice means in the place of. And it tends to be those bad, evil, twisted habits that hurt life and weigh it down. We find this word, if you didn't know, right in the catechism underneath the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer about temptation. And what does it say? The temptations by the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh are always aiming to bring false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Vices 
stand in the place of what is good, right, and beautiful by God for life, or what has come to be called virtues. However, striving to be a good person, as you know, is the trap sold by the Pharisees to deflect away from God's truthfulness of the law that's to strike at our heart. Jesus told his disciples there was no easy way to shake off the sinful nature. More than traditions on washing, his words even stepped on the ceremonial food laws God gave in the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus was going to task far beyond rituals, but right to the law itself. You should not eat pork or the blood of animals, all this stuff. And Jesus was saying, none of it defiles you. Regulations were inadequate. You know why, right? Because what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes all corruption, all lovelessness. You see, original sin is not something we can see advice. But to hear Jesus is to trust how Scripture proves very often this evil to be true. Our Lutheran fathers confessed it well during the time of the Reformation because many people didn't take the depth of how deep sin goes. It's not just an act, but it's the actual inheritance. And here's what they say. We all by disposition and nature inherit from Adam a heart, feeling, and thought that are according to their highest powers in the light of reason, naturally inclined and disposed against God and his chief commandments. Yes, they are hostile toward God, especially in divine and spiritual things. Since Christ, as we confess fully, defeated all the enemies we could ever fear. It means he took head on the heart of our old Adam. That wicked list that you heard is what we confess to be true. And we do it in a very summarized way. We say in thought, word, and deed when gathered before the Lord. Confession absolution, we call it, right? You heard the plea today. By your pastor. Together, as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The last three vices that you heard today, listed by Jesus are the most dangerous, but they weren't all the sexual morality and all the adultery and all the murder and all the stuff that gets the flashiness on the news. Remember what they were? Slander, pride, and foolishness are what stand not merely against people, but this is what stands against God in the first commandment. Slandering his name. Pride of who truly is the creator of what is good, and then the foolishness of God at all.
You see, beyond actions is an inward attitude. And the Pharisees held it in their hearts against Jesus because they wanted to be their own gods. This defilement of the old Adam follows us. I'm sorry to break it to you. It follows even me all the way to the grave. I'm going to get rid of it. You see? But such an enemy within that we just can't shake. Jesus took into the, his death to give you the gospel, give you something that you'll never give yourself. Only the new Adam could call out original sin so pointedly. Did you catch it? I mean, prophets called out sin too and the depth of depravity of original sin, but Jesus in one and two verses just goes right at the heart. Because Jesus, you know why, he sets his heart and his very flesh upon dealing with all that corruption. The outside evils of Satan and the world, they didn't affect him. He saw through it all. And yet he still honored the way things were for a time. Because you know why? God becoming man, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, he had no defilement within him. He had, didn't have that dirty inheritance. Out of Jesus came fulfillment of the law without fault as the most natural thing for him. It wasn't something he really had to be fret over. He just did it well and thought about it all the time well. His virtuous life also held a new covenant, as you know, in blood. Not of regulations, but with relationship of God, now by the cross to silence the old Adam's heart, to shut it up, and to listen to what he says from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because out of their heart come all evil things. You see? Christ defeated the enemy within. As St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, for our sake, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Feel right about things and think rightly, first by faith, on how God handles the mess. So, every lie and denial of our original sin, Christ has consumed. He comes to meet our dire need, saying those wonderful words, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Our old Adam is sick with confusion today. It's a mess. And yet we don't realize it's not up there, it's right here. We're a melt humanity. See? But Christ, by his holy word and sacrament, remains steady, certain, to forgive sins, to redeem your life if you were to step out the door and slip on your way out and boom, bump your head and you're dead. Life is for you. And it's free. Grounded on a firm foundation. 
a salvation secure by faith in Jesus. And so in place of defiled hearts, a virtuous life is distinct for us each day in Jesus. If the enemy is within, there is now for the Christian a new man at work in us, created by God. You didn't make this happen. God did. This washing by the word has come, as we know, by baptism. And that's not a human hypocrisy. But Christ, having cleansed us to be joined to his very death and life. It means the enemy within has met defeat. My enemy has been crucified. Not by my strength or my willpower, just, to, just, just uh, justly seeking after those virtues. So we can put signs up around here, or like we do in towns, be a good person, think rightly, or they do in schools, right? Be independent and, and love people. That's all great and fine. Those are virtues, but you run after those things, you will fail. Running after Jesus, you will not, because he is faithful. You know why? Because he runs to the cross. The new Adam exists, this new man, exists beyond controlling behavior, but created to cling to Christ, who is at work by his grace in our life for all to believe. This is what's so troubling about the world today and with the church's situation, because the old Adam fears sickness, fears rioting, fears all these things, rightly so. But the new man says, no more. I run to Jesus and find refuge in him. He won't fail even if I foolishly make stupid ideas as if I can save myself. You see, at the heart of daily life is what Luther tells us. Because it was really messy during the times of the Reformation. And in the large catechism, he says, if you live in repentance, therefore you're walking in baptism. Which not only announces this new life, but also produces, begins, and exercises it. In baptism, we're given the grace, spirit, and strength to suppress the old creature so that the new may come forth and grow strong. Therefore, baptism remains forever. You want to know the mess that we've been dealing with for a year and a half has happened to Christians as you've forgotten your baptism. And it's been costly. Bible studies down to two to four people here. When I came here as pastor, it was around 23. You've forgotten your baptism. You forgot what Jesus brings to us by grace so that the new man may live and the old man may be crucified and learn what his compassion is for us. Because out of the heart of us comes not good things. But out of Jesus, when he has to gather us together in his name as the baptized, he brings his very body and blood to eat and to drink and to gather us as his people. Not just in Zion and not just with all those around the world who maybe are Christians in Afghanistan dying or with, um, I don't know, hurricanes coming or all the disasters. We join around the same Jesus 
And better than that, we say, we sing with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. All those who share the same heart that has come into our lives with his love. A virtuous life honors what is lawful. And it rejects the disorder of vice. The desire of good works, too, comes now, but they're enlivened for the Christian with fruits of the Spirit. So you know Galatians, right? The fruits of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth. That's a good kind of attitude, not just a behavior. You see, once again, all this holds a distinct shape for Christians. The armor of God is put on to stand against the lies of Satan, and they are many today. Not just against our present time, but against our very heart and soul. Upholding God's word, too, serves as a witness in terms of the law, in the gospel, in the sight of the world's idolatry. Do you still believe in that? The world is idolatrous. With the word of God, we go his way. Law, gospel. For all the enemies out there, another is within us until death. Lest we forget, Christ alone continues to renew our hearts and uphold you and me each day. Amen. The peace of God be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. At the with